Uh, my name is Charles. I'm an alcoholic. I'm really grateful to be here. And uh, you guys are my whole life. So I kind of like to start with like embarrassing things that would make sure that I'm not going to try to teach you anything because that's what I am. I'm a school teacher. And I've heard about five or six school teachers at this convention. And you wonder about today's youth, you know, why they're messed up. Is what, you know, a bunch of teachers are all alcoholics. And, uh,. <laughs> Kind of sad, and you know, I, I'm a school, school teacher now, and, and I'm waiting for some of my colleagues to come here, and they haven't come here yet. But you know, I want to say just thank you so much for picking me. Thank you, uh, Tommy, for, and uh, they asked me like six months ago, and if you could imagine what my mind has been like. You know, how, how do I teach you? What, what, do, I, what do I say? You know, and, and the, 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 the imaginations I, I have in my mind of, you know, it's, it's just been terrible. It's and uh, and then wonderful, but you know the 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 truth of it is in Alcoholics Anonymous. I thought if I came here, I wouldn't be afraid anymore. I'd learn the secret that I would never ever have to be afraid. I'd know what the real world is, and the truth of what we have here in Alcoholics Anonymous is that I think I'm just as afraid as I always was. The only difference is that I do it anyway, and that's that's what I get, and I the courage to move through my fear and just do it anyway, and to do the right thing. I came here to Bangkok on September 6, 1989, and my sobriety date is September 6, 1999, 10 years to the very day. I came here in Bangkok because um, I came from having a fairly successful career. I was married. I had a house in the Bay Area, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but I drank that all away. And so I, got, I was afraid to travel. And I got this round-the-world ticket that was popular at the time. It was about $1,200. And as long as you kept going in the same direction, you didn't have to stop. And I, I hated to travel. I can't tell you how much I hated to travel, but I was kind of of this theory that if you're going to learn how to swim, you throw yourself in the swimming pool. And so I came here to, you know, my first stop was Bangkok. And it's been 18 years, and I've never left. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's just absolutely pathetic and the absolute truth. <laughs> You know, I, I really, you know, I think, of, well, maybe should I should go someplace, but I, you know, it just seemed like, like everything was here, and it's a very tolerant, loving culture. It's a culture that lets you drink, and, and that's what I, I did here with, with a, as much as I could for those 10 years. What I wanted to say that, you know, since then I've, I've been able to travel, not, not too much, but I now work for a school that sends me to faraway places to, to get training, and I, the last trip I was on was to a trip to Mumbai in India. And uh, I'd never gone to, I mean, what countries have I been to? You know, America, Mexico, Thailand. And so I was there in, in India, and I thought, I've, I've got to go to meetings. And, and I'm, I'm terrified. I'm afraid that, you know, that I, they're gonna, the natives are going to descend on me like locusts, and I'll be stripped bare and, and murdered or whatever it is. And so I went, I prayed about it, and, you know, there's these 12-year-old speed freaks that drive these tricycle things, and I, I just... <laughs> I called up the, the helpline there, and I couldn't understand what they were saying, and I just pointed at this thing, and, and they took me there. And uh, there was about 30 people at this particular meeting, and they weren't speaking any English. And I thought, well, okay, maybe that's the way it is, because it, supposedly there's this communication between alcoholics, and I've heard other people say they've been at meetings, and they hear people, not their language, and they still get the message. And, and I mean no offense at all, but it was like dubba 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 one day at a time, Dubba, 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 it's the first drink. And it just went on and on. I'm going, well, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I'm supposed to hear it. And I, 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 I just didn't get it. And so 
what happened is that it was a, it was a, you got called on there, and uh, and they got called on me, you know, Mr. Charles from Bangkok, and I thought, and I thought, what what am I going to say? I, I, you know, what can I possibly say? And so I told them, I told them the absolute truth that I was terrified of traveling, and this is what I did to come to this meeting, and I couldn't believe that I was here. And I said, but when am I going to get better? When am I going to figure everything out? And, and you know, this is a story that, that has to do with my son, and I tell it a lot, but, you know, my, I got sober when my son was five, and when he was in, like, the second or the third grade, part of his health studies was to talk about drugs and alcohol. And so if I, he needed help with his homework, and I knew everything. You know, why, Dad, why do people drink? Why do they drink too much? What does it feel like to be drunk? Why do people, and, and like, he's asking these questions, and, and I'm, I'm answering them, because I, I know the answers. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good homework. And so uh, he goes, and, and the next thing I know, I was teaching art at the time at this school, and then his homeroom teacher came to me, and goes, Teacher Charles, your son told the class that you peed in the refrigerator. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's the story that I told in India. And what happened at that particular time is all of a sudden, everyone at that meeting in Mumbai, India, in Bombay, they all started speaking English. And they all told the story. I didn't think there was inappropriate places to pee in Mumbai, but, but there is, obviously. And you know, that's, that's the brotherhood of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I'm the only one in my family that's ever come to Alcoholics Anonymous, and they say that, that you know, sweet relations are restored and all that stuff, and that, that hasn't happened for me yet. They, my family doesn't know what to make of me. They, they really don't. That when I've gone back, you know, I've been here almost 18 years. I've been back to the United States three times, one time drunk and two times sober. I wanted to take my son back to show my, my mother and my, you know, my mother, you know, this is me, sober. This is what I'm like. This is my life here. And, you know, it was, it was good. It was good, but it was very quiet because no one in my family drank when I was there. And after a while, I went, you know, this is weird. This isn't, this isn't my family. My family doesn't do this. We're drunk. And, uh, you know, that was okay. And I went back the second time, and I noticed something, something different, that it was, it was a, there was a coldness about it about me being there and I, I realized kind of what the story is is that wouldn't it be better if I came back to Thailand and then everybody could go about the business of having drinks you know and and I don't know if that's the case but you know that's what alcohol does to, to people that's what alcohol does to families and maybe that's what alcohol that's how surely what alcohol did for me you know my, my wife is here and my son is here and uh maybe I didn't know I had a trouble with alcohol until my son was born and when my son was born it was a great day in my life. I took all of the credit. I sat in the waiting room and my son was wheeled by crying. You know, I went, I did all that, just me. And I vowed that I was going to be the kind of parent and father that I never had and that I wanted to be more than anything in my life. And uh, my son got to be about 18 months, but, you know, I was still drinking. And at that time, I had two apartments. One was my drinking apartment and one was my regular apartment. They were right next to each other. But my son would want to come and visit me, and he was just a toddler. And I didn't spend any time at all. But he would get these big bottles of Leo beer, which was my drink, and he's about just a little bit older than my daughter here. And he'd take that big bottle, and he'd knock on my door, trying to get in to spend time with me. 
you know, he wanted to be with Daddy, and I'd take that beer, and, you know, that was fine. But then he'd start, you know, sticking his finger in an outlet or spilling water or messing with, you know, whatever it is that was going on with me, you know, when I was drinking, and, and he'd have to leave, and he'd just pound on the door wanting to come in. Often I'd, I'd pass out on the floor, and I'd wake up with him sleeping on my back. Or I'd be passed out to some other place, and he'd be holding on to me. And that little boy just loved me so much. And I felt like such a piece of, of crap, really. And that's the way it was. You know, what kind of father are you? What kind of human being are you? That in one side of my mouth, I thought I had all these thoughts of, you know, I don't know, father knows best or whatever you want to call it. But this is a reality, and it, it just tore me apart. It tore me apart. But my boy, he, he absolutely loved me. And, uh, you know... I know I got, I, we don't get sober for other people. I know that's the truth, but he was a big, big part of it. What got me to Alcoholics Anonymous was this guy named Jay, who was, uh, we ended up working at the same school. Things were getting really bad for me, and I was throwing up in between classes. It was part of the routine. Teach a class, throw up. Teach a class, throw up. And that, that's, you know, that, was, that was normal for me. And, and I taught young kids, grades, at that time, grades 2 to 6. I was a specialty teacher. And I just remember praying, you know, getting them into groups, worksheets, like I was mentioned today, the, the beautiful woman who got the three years. You know, here's the worksheets. Here's your stuff. Talk amongst, talk amongst yourself. Please leave me alone. Please, God in heaven, don't let them ask me a question. I don't want to know. And these kids were really young, and young children have been known to be described from teachers anyway as you know, various liquids coming from various orifices, and they're just leaky, horrible, nauseating things that smell bad. And when you're hungover as death and you're going to throw up, you just want to stay away from them. And that was me, the school teacher, you know, molding tomorrow's youth. And so there was this guy named Jay, and he had one of those AA Roundup coffee cups, and it came from the very first, uh, the very first Roundup. I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. I saw the movie Days of Wine and Roses. That was the extent of my knowledge of Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe I picked up some other things, like my younger brother supposedly got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, but I've since learned that you know there, there was nothing really going on there either. But we, it was just I didn't know. But I saw that coffee cup, and it was a bright beacon in, that, in my teacher's room, in my classroom, that, you know, where the teachers would have coffee, that, that coffee cup. And I'd look at that circle in AA, and I'd, I wonder what it was like. And I don't know if Jay knows this, but, you know, sometimes I knew something was wrong with me. I, I'd use Jay's coffee cup. I'd put coffee in it and drink and see if it tasted funny. It was just it was like a weird thing. It was like, you know, you guys walking around with those AA T-shirts and everything, you know, oh, God, maybe that breaks your anonymity. But you know what? There's going to be somebody out there that's going to look at that. And maybe you're going to be assigned and go, oh, that's one of those AA guys. And, you know, that's what happened with me. And so uh, my, last, my last drunk was here in Padia. And I was here with my young son. He was about four years old at the time. And he was riding on my shoulders. And he was crying because I was staggering so bad. He was, he was afraid he was going to fall off. My Thai wife at the time was mad at me, but that was nothing new. She was always mad at me. And, I, and I, you know, they went back to the hotel and I drank, and I was the kind of drunk that was out there on that walkway, you know, drinking and being one of the people. You know, I'm one of the people drinking alcohol, and I just, I just got really, really drunk. And my last drunk wasn't any worse than any other drunk, really. It was a bunch of that, that, that crappy Leo beer that I don't think has even gone up in price since, since I was I drank it. It's, it's horrible stuff. It should be like, you know, one of those questions, you know, do you drink Leo beer and you're an alcoholic? <laughs> And I was, uh, I went to school, 
I went to school, and, and this day more than any other, I was sick. I was sick like a dog was sick, and it wouldn't go away. I was sick, and I had diarrhea, and, I, and it wouldn't stop. It wasn't like normal where I could go in between classes. And it was uh, the second grade toilet where they have those little tiny toilets that are about the size of an army helmet. And I'm sitting on there, you know, throwing up and, and having diarrhea, like as green as one of those praying mantises on those little tiny toilets. And my, my classroom, who loved me, the, te- the students who loved me, oh, Teacher Charles, he's sick, he's crying. And they all streamed into the bathroom where I was. And they started pounding on the sides of the stall, pounding like, like, like Dawn of the Dead, the zombies and Dawn of the Dead. You know? and, and, you know, it's funny now, but at the time it was absolute madness. And for the first time in my life, I prayed, you know, God help me. God help me without any kind of reservation or any kind of saying, you know, God help me out of this and I'll never do it again. It was that first time. This is madness and I can't go on anymore. I can't go on. Help me, please. And, you know, I heard, why don't you ask that guy about Alcoholics Anonymous, that guy with a coffee cup? And I did. And I said, Jay, I've got to go to one of those meetings. He goes, oh, are you an alcoholic? <laughs> and, uh... And, uh I said, yeah, I, I think I am. And he was all excited. He was only three years sober, and he was in this evangelical phase of sobriety. And he, he loved Alcoholics Anonymous. Jay, and he still does. Jay loves Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, he, he was a great star, a great star in my life. And my first meeting was at Soy 33 in Bangkok. And I, I came there on my own. And I, I remember preparing for the meeting going, you know, what do you wear to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous? You know, do you, you wear, like, bum clothes? Or, you know, do I, am I going to make you feel bad if I wear nice clothes? Or, or you know, and like, and now, how stupid, how stupid of me that I would imagine, you know, I'm dying. I'm dying, and I'm worried about the clothes that I would wear. But I came up there, and I saw that house, and there were people smoking outside. And I thought, oh, so those, those are alcoholics in there. I, I wonder what they look like. And I, and I paused. You know, what do they sound like? What am I going to say? Why am I here? Do, what am I going to talk about? I just, I just didn't know. And I approached this step, and somebody came right up to me and said, you know, are you new? And it's like, you know, how do you know? how do you know and I said yeah and this guy said you know you can and and I mean this with great respect and I mean this respectfully but this is what the man said to me as he said don't worry about it you can still go to the cat houses and it's better than ever now I (laughs) now I don't I don't go those places really and and uh but you know what? It, it, it put my mind at ease because. <laughs> because really, if you guys don't know it, you, you, and no offense to this either, but you guys look like Mormons to a newcomer. You're all clean cut, your eyes are real bright and shiny, you're cheerful, and you're, you're kind of scary. You're scary. And, and you know, that put, me, that put me right at ease immediately. And uh, that particular meeting was a step study. And it was on some like super higher level step, like step six. I saw that the books were open, and, and I didn't know. I didn't know what a meeting was. And the, the, the meeting started, and they, they started with a serenity prayer, which, which I really didn't know. And there, it wasn't anywhere, so I, I kind of like lip-synced it. You know, people said, God, no, you like that, because there's no place to read it or anything. 
And I didn't want you to know that I was new, even though everyone knew that I was new. <laughs> and uh, somebody said, there's a newcomer in the room. And uh, they all went to step one. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what a step was. All I knew is that for some reason, you guys did something special for me that I would never have imagined in a million years. You know, me, you know, lower than the lowest animal on earth among you, you bright-eyed, happy, cheerful people. There's somebody, a newcomer in the room, let's do step one. And so, you know, step one in the 12 and 12 is very short. And then after that came a litany of horror. And that, you know, <laughs> that went on and on. <laughs> and, but you know, the thing is what happened is that laughing absolutely and then I was in jail and laughing and then and then and the rehab and I lost this and that and and just laughing so hard that the water was coming out of their eyes and you know I felt free because those were my stories those were my stories and I thought about it yeah it wasn't my fault really and that made me feel free for the first time in my life I never knew any alcoholics before, and I don't know if my family is an alco are alcoholics or not. They drink a lot, but you know, I never knew that there was anyone on the earth that had the phenomena of craving or did the things that we did. I thought everybody was like me, that they had some drinks, and they had that craving, and they just stopped. And they didn't do stupid things, but I always did. And here was this group of people who made me laugh for the very first time in years. I couldn't remember the last time I laughed. And I laughed my guts out. And I went, this is great. And the moment, you know, when the meeting ended, I didn't want it to end. And I thought, you know, this is the first time I've ever been with people where I didn't look at the clock and say, please, time, hurry up so I can get away from these people so I can drink. I wanted to stay with you. And I left that meeting and someone said, see you, Charles. And it's like, you know, no one had called me by name and said, see you, in the last time that I could remember. And that meant an awful lot to me. So, you know, a lot of people, maybe they come to resistance, you know, resistance to Alcoholics Anonymous, but that's not my story. You know, I think I fell in love with you guys from the very first minute. And uh, I put to test everything you said. I really took to heart that I didn't think that I was going to make it. And that said, rarely have you seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed her path. And it was my mission to do everything that you said and then fail and then go, see, told you it didn't work. And that was kind of like my scheme. And so anyway, that first meeting, there was that, and I came to the next meeting, and everybody in that particular group said, time to get a sponsor now. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what a sponsor was. Is that like, like the big brother, you know, a big brother or a father figure or, or whatever it is? But they, they told me, you know, they didn't say anything like, um, it wasn't explained to me, like, you know, find somebody that, you know, that has what you want. I don't think I would have understood that. It said, find somebody that you really respect. And my first sponsor, I did respect him. He was a successful man. He went to every meeting that I went to, and I did 90 and 90, and I wanted to be just like him. And, uh, and he told me what to do. And it's not like I went, oh, I'm going to do it. I didn't want to do this stuff. I didn't want to call somebody up every single day. You know, he's rich. Why should I spend the five baht? And that was my thought. And, you know, in the, and, you know, start the morning and the day on your prayers, you know, oh, please, God. And, you know, I hadn't been on my, in my knees and I, since I was like six or something like that. You know, what if someone sees me? You know, it's, you know how embarrassing. And, uh, you know, but I, I did it anyway. You know, to the God, I don't believe or anything. 
please protect me from the first drink today. And at the end, thank you. And that, that was it. And that was the starting point. And uh, I don't know, my, my, life, my life got, got better. My life got better. And in the first 30 days, that was my record. My record for not drinking since the age of college, since the age of like 19 years old when I started drinking. My record for not drinking was three days. And I made it 30 days. And I planned this gigantic speech of gratitude, of how I discovered and learned everything about Alcoholics Anonymous. And I just wept like a baby. Grateful, and I was like, and that's what I did. That was my 30-day speech. And so I waited for my night. You know what? My 90-day speech. That's going to be the killer. And I prepared it. And just like, just like I did this one. I mean, I've got like eight sheets of text, you know, here. And it's like, you know, this, everything, the things, you know, make you feel feelings you've never felt before, laugh in places you've never laughed before. And I got up and I just wept like a baby. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for my life. And, and what happened after that is I, I'm grateful for this, is that my sponsor, he said, well, you've got the 90 days. You've got 30 days to do your fourth step. And, and after that, you know, that 30 step, you're going to be doing your, your fifth step. And I, you know, I knew what that meant. That means, you know, after I have enough courage to come to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, admitting that I'm, I'm, I'm not any good and that my life is over, and I finally get a sponsor and have to ask him what he's, you know, to, hi, will you be my sponsor? Oh, God, it's so humiliating. And then, you know, now what's going to happen is he's going to know everything about me. He's going to know what I'm really like. Not that I did anything now that I... I think, you know, everything that was in my four-step, I've shared openly at meetings, you know, over the course of time. Everything that was a, the great dark secret. But, you know, for him, I, I, I wrote that stuff down. And it wasn't as maybe as good as it was. And uh, I, I did it like... I, got, I became an AA fanatic on the Internet. You wouldn't believe how many four-step guides are out there. Do this, do that, try this, try that. And I, 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 I downloaded them all and did nothing. <laughs> Until, the, <laughs> until that, that moment where um, I just knew I, he, you know, he, my, sponsor was, my first sponsor was not kind to me. And he just said, well, you know what, if you don't do it, then you get somebody else. And, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I'm the most important person in the room. You can't do that. And, and I, but I knew that he was going to do that. And so I wrote it. And I went there and I told him and all that stuff. And that's when I think I joined Alcoholics Anonymous for real. You know, for absolute real. When I sat down in that room, you know, I, I, I belonged. I, I was on my way, and I was forever grateful for that. Anyway, so a year went on, and, and things started getting really bad at home. I mean, my son's mother, I thought she'd be so proud of me that I was sober. I thought I could be the good husband that she always said that she wanted to have, and I definitely wanted to be the father I, I wanted, that the best father I could be. But it got it got very bad for us, and that you know she's barely four eight, you know she's very, just a tiny woman, but she's like hard as nails, and she started hitting me and pinching me and throwing things at me, and the last thing that happened towards the end of the year, the knife came out. And uh, it got worse and worse. At first, it was kind of a bravado. But then, you know, I would never know when it was coming. I'd be in the shower, and all of a sudden, this big Henkel five-star knife that I brought from the States would come under the door, and she'd be moving it back and forth, and I'd be going, what is wrong? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and you can download the thing, you know, the family afterwards, your little interview, you know, where have your, what's your part in it, you know, and it, I thought, well, maybe it's like a cultural thing that I'm not aware of, and I tried to, and my, and my, my sponsor is going, Charles, get out of there, get out of there, and I said, no, you can't do anything the first year, we're not allowed to do anything, you know, 
but you know, the, the core of that is, is that how, how am I going to give up my little boy? What's going to happen to him? Who's, who's going to take care of him? Who's, who's, you know, am I going to be in the footsteps of, of my father and leave? You know, what, you know, what am I going to do? And it got really bad one time. And this is, I think, the time that I really surrendered my life and my will over to the care of God is that it was a particularly bad session. And, uh, and uh, she, she had the knife out again. And, and she was, said she was going to kill me and she was going to kill my son and she didn't care. And it was real. It was real like you're watching a movie. And you think, yeah, maybe this is bravado, but it wasn't bravado. There was this weird look in her eye. And I felt something was going to happen. And I... I was holding my son, and, and she just said, she's going to do it. And I just covered up both of us with a sheet. And I just went, you know, just do it. Just do it and get it over with. And, and, and I waited, and, and, and it didn't happen. But I expected it would, and it didn't. And then I knew, you know, this is not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And so the next day, I knew I had to go. And so, uh, you know, it was the last night, and my son and I, we, you know, he slept with me. We didn't sleep in the same bedroom, me and my wife, and my son and I, we slept together. And I, it was early in the morning, and I, I thought, you know, I looked at all the stuff that I'd accumulated in the 10 years of Bangkok. You know, what do you take? What do you, what do you take when you're just going to have to steal in the morning, steal away in the morning, and, and then say goodbye? And I just, you know, looked at his face. And you're like, how, you know, I'm sure you have children of what children look like when they're sleeping with their long lashes and things. And you know, I'm never going to see you again. And, you know, I'm, I'm like what my father was. And I took the, the coins, the, the, the sobriety coins and I, that AA gave me, and I put those in my pocket. And I took some CDs. And I took, a, I took my computer. And I went to school. And I went and talked to uh, the principal. And I said, I, I can't. I can't take my wife anymore. Now, she, he knew there was something weird about my wife. Oh, I didn't mention this. My wife tried to do that henna thing with her hair, and it didn't work. Her hair was green like the Joker. And she had done things at the school. I'd be teaching art, and she'd be trying to get in with that knife. you know. And, it, and I'd be teaching, and she'd... And she said, Teacher Charles, what's, who's that woman? I said, you kids, you know, just, leave, just ignore that woman there. We've got this thing, you know, we've got this paper mache thing we're doing here. You know, she'll go away. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he, he knew there was something going on. Right? <laughs> and so uh, I said, I've got to go away from the school for about a week. Uh, I can't take it anymore. And, you know, he was a real... It, this school was a fundamentalist Christian Adventist school, and no offense against anybody who's a fundamentalist Adventist Christian, but, you know, those guys are just real square. And, uh, <laughs> maybe, well, and this guy was kind to me. And he goes, you know what, you can stay at our school housing, but just for a day. And so uh, I went away, and uh, I did, he goes... Go back, go back after that day, go back to your apartment and get some clothes. And I went back to the apartment and everything was gone. Everything. She had sold everything in one day. And it was just nothing but an empty room. There was no clothes or washing machine or anything. And my little boy was gone. And I thought, you know, I went to the meeting. You know, you liars, you alcoholics, anonymous liars. You know, you, you better write down what you're going to get or what you want or whatever that is. And I went, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And it was bad for me, and I made it worse because, of course, then, you know, filled with guilt and remorse, and you know, I went to every toy section of every Bangkok, you know, 
department store crying my eyes out thinking of all the toys I should have bought my son but didn't and that he's gone and he was gone for about three months away from me and I got over that and I don't know I don't think I had you know I don't think I I don't think I had a dry eye my first year and a half Alcoholics Anonymous it was just awful and then I came back to school one day and there he was playing in front of my art room and I couldn't believe it and, and it seemed like even in the short time he'd grown. And he goes, Dad, why are you crying? And I said, I'm so glad to see you. You're back. And uh, my wife had given him to the maids. And the maids weren't going to give him to me. And I had to go to the Thai principal to get my son back. But you know what? My son was with me. And you know, that was the greatest moment. And I thought, I'll never ask for anything as long as I live. This is all that I want. And at night he'd say, hold me, Dad. You know, hold me because I'm scared. You know, I said, okay, game, I'll hold you. But you know what? I think, I don't know who was holding who, and that's the absolute truth. His mother would pop out of the woodwork, you know, and she'd I'd be carrying him, and she'd, be, she'd rip the shirt off my back, and I'd be at school with no shirt. You know, and then she'd run away. You know, like, it was madness. Anyway, we got over that. We got over that. Anyway, I don't know. I don't want to... God, it's just so, you know... <laughs> Anyway, so I got told uh, Jay again. This goes back to Jay. Jay went away to uh, to get his master's degree from Michigan State University, and it so happened that Michigan State University was flying the professors here to Padilla, and he had gone and spent a year here, a summer here, and he'd already done his first course. He goes, Charles, why don't you do that? Why don't you go get your master's degree? Then you don't have to teach at crappy schools like this. I can't do that, Jay. I'm too stupid. And I went to my sponsor, and I said, I can't do that. And, and you know, he goes, just, just fill out the forms. Don't, you're not accepted. You're not going to get accepted. No one wants you. Just fill out the form and mail it. And I can't fill out this box. You know, and it's like, oh, God. And, I just, and, it, and it was like one box at a time. I don't know why I have this, this fear. But, of course, you know the story. The story that happened is I mailed that application away, and I got accepted. When I got to get my master's degree here in Patty over the course of three summers. And I don't know where the money came from, but I got the money to do that. And I'd very much like to thank the Patty group when I was down here doing that master's degree and I'd come here to your meetings on Skaw Beach and tell you what was going on in my life. And there was great kindness and compassion at those meetings. And you guys are, are part of my life very, very much so. And so I, I'd finished my master's degree and, and my son was with me. And I thought, well, maybe it's time that I find a mate. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, God meant this for me. And, you know, I, I, I think I was the only guy in Bangkok that didn't have a girlfriend. That's what I thought. Because I didn't. I, I couldn't talk to women. I couldn't say anything. I could, I could be a dad and I could be a teacher, but I couldn't talk to women at all. And I was just so scared. And so I'd, I'd met this one woman and... I thought she was the answer to my prayers. I really did. You know, she was beautiful and kind. And, and after a month, she just looked at me and went, ooh, and she dropped me. <laughs> and, you know, that, that stung. That stung. But then I went to Alcoholics Anonymous, the rumored E group, and someone said, well, you know what, Charles, here's what you do. Go on the SkyTrain and smile. Go, uh, go. You know, you're not marrying these girls. Just travel, the, you know, get, take a shower, get some nice clothes, travel the SkyTrain, look at girls, smile. Hey, 
Alright, alright. You know, don't name the children. You're not just just try that. You know, and maybe you can add coffee, just lunch for coffee, something like that. And I went you know what, I'm going to try that. I'm going to do that. And I, you know, what have I got to lose? You know, this is someone who's got lots of sobriety, who knows what's going on. And I did that. I wore, wore some nice clothes and I rode the Sky Train. And I, I, you know, look at Thai girls and, you know. <laughs> and it, and I, I, I think I creeped some of them out. <laughs> But, you know, one day, one day, I hit it. You know, one day I hit the jackpot. I was smiling, and they were smiling back. And I went, oh, my God, this is happening. Thank you, higher power. And everywhere, hi, yeah, smiles and everything. And, and I, 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 I was the highest of happiness that I'd ever been in my life. And I got off at the Emporium to stop after that, that wonderful ride in the train. I looked out, and my fly was wide open. <laughs> And, you know, that, that, that was kind of like a bottom for me, it really was. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I took the vow that, you know, I'll, I'm never, you know, I'm never going to have a girlfriend ever again. You know, my job is I'm going to be an Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm going to be the best father I can be. I'm going to be the best teacher I can be. But I'm not going to be a man for any woman. And that's just, that's going to be my, my life. You know, thank you, Higher Power. Thank you, Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and I gave up. I, I completely gave up. And that I'll, I won't try anymore. And then, uh, as the art teacher, this beautiful Thai woman who, was, who sold art supplies came into my art room, and my wife here. And, uh, you know, I'd never met, I've never seen such a beautiful woman who was so kind, and she loved my little boy. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, what do I say? You know, like, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a single dad, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a loser, you know, what? You know what? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> Yo, what in the world do I say? <laughs> and uh, I, I saw her, and she'd come to my art room only two or three times, and I, I've never asked a, a beautiful woman out for a date, you know, before. And I thought, you know, if you don't ask her, Charles, you're going to remember this for the rest of your life, and it's going to be one more thing. Why didn't you? Why didn't you? And so I went up, and I said, you know, would you like to go out? And she said, no. <laughs> And I said, well, it wouldn't really be like a date. It would be like, you see, I'm a single dad, and this is my son. And if we were to go out, it'd be kind of like us together. And then we'd go to, you know, we'd do something during the day at lunch. And also, I'm interested in, in, your, in art supplies, and this would be near. <laughs> smooth, yeah, smooth. <laughs> And, you know, that's when it started breaking down of that, you know, she goes, okay, okay. And I dated her uh, for a year. And in the big book it says something like, you know, after on that, in the sex part it said, you know, when we do our sex inventory we write down the ideal of what we want our love life to be. And I did write that down. This is what I want. This is what I promise. This is what I can give. This is what I believe in. And I wrote that down. And I showed it to her. I said, this is what I want. This is what I am. This is what I want to do. And, and she bit it. You know, she, yeah, she, she liked that. And, uh, and we got married.
and to prove that I'm, I'm really an alcoholic, she said, you know, why don't you handle the alcohol for the wedding? <laughs> and I thought, you know, there's about 120 people. Now, okay, I'm just going to tell you how I thought and see, see if it's, it might be the same for you. There's 120 people. You know, half of those people drink. I know that, now I now know that not everybody drinks. Half of those people drink, and probably half of those people are going to drink half a bottle. And the other half are probably going to drink a quarter of a bottle. That would mean 15 bottles plus 7 bottles, which would be about two dozen bottles of alcohol and, and, and I said okay we're going to get two dozen and she goes no that's stupid and she got three bottles of whiskey and we had whiskey left over <laughs> I mean it's a, it's a different kind of a wedding you know <laughs> it's a different kind of a wedding and that was one of the proudest moments of my life was, was marrying her and, and being surrounded by people from Alcoholics Anonymous uh, uh, this, is, this is my life and uh, and since that time, you know, I have a I have a daughter, and you know, I'm 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 50 years old, and uh, you know, she, you know, she got pregnant immediately, and I, I went, oh wow, okay, you know, this is the way it is, and um, what a joy that that little girl is in my life, you know, and I thought about something, you know, like you know what was said, like you know, I've got alcoholism all over my family, and so does she. And even though I don't drink, I wonder about what's the attraction that we have inside of our soul. What energy do we get off to attract these people, even though we don't drink? So I don't know if my children are going to be alcoholics, but it's something. When I think about my, my boy, you know, I love him every time because maybe he's going to go away from me for a while. But maybe he can come back. But I don't know that. I, I love him today with all of my heart and soul. And I'm going to try to be the best dad I can be today. And my daughter, I was at the... I took my daughter to the the Bourbon Street meeting. That's the meeting we have in Bangkok, and it's in this, this restaurant bar area. And uh, my, as my, my daughter is very, very free, she toddled off to the literature table and she took the 44 questions. And I went, oh, no, not the 44 questions. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what kind of indicator that is. I am so absolutely grateful to be here. I'm, I'm so grateful for the chance to tell you with my own voice how much you mean to me, that you're my entire life and my whole being, and I can't ever repay you for what you've given to me. My heart is so full, and the things I get to see in meetings that we all get to see of people that come in as absolute wrecks and turn into great human beings that you would never have imagined have gone to the depths that we've gone to. And that's the greatest joy of my life. And it's something that I treasure for the rest of my life. I just want to thank you so much for letting me share here. Thank you. Bye.